and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. We believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith. And one of the best ways to do this is by reading God's word, but not only reading it, talking about it. I'm Alex. I am Aaron. And with us today, we have Dennis Parker. Dennis, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you come from? What do you do? Who are you? Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. Well, as you said, I'm Dennis Parker. And uh, I came originally from the state of Illinois. Mm. And I've spent a lot of time traveling around the country and a little bit around the world with my job. I worked as a chemical engineer for many years, still do consulting and some teaching in that area. Mm. But I enjoy just being here in the Bernie, Texas area, uh, retired and uh, enjoying studying the Bible. You know, for a retired fellow, you sure do a whole bunch of work, man. I I think I get two or three emails from you a day with all the research you're doing on the Bible (laughs) stuff. And I can't imagine if I was on the chemical engineering side of thing, because you probably have a lot of communication going on there too, don't you? There's a little bit. It is interesting. Some people like to just take naps when they retire, but uh, (laughs) I have enjoyed keeping active. Right. Absolutely. Well, thanks for all the work you do, and thanks for being here with us today. It's good to be here. Dennis, I am dying to know, what do you do in your free time that doesn't have to do with studying the Bible or chemical engineering? Well, I enjoy getting outdoors in the mountains. I uh, try to spend a few months up there every summer. And uh, I just love getting out in my Jeep Wrangler and crawling over those rocks mm-hmm. and going to the top of mountains. And You know my wife God's has a Jeep creation. now, right? Did you hear? That's right. We'll yeah, have to get so together. We will. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We better uh, start talking about the Bible soon before Dennis and I get off on Jeep Talk. So. All right. That's a good idea. Today, we are covering the readings for February 29th through March 6th. And that covers Exodus 39 and Exodus 40. So it ends Exodus, and then we begin Leviticus. So Leviticus 1 all the way through the beginning of chapter 7. Uh, So we are ending one book and beginning another. And this is all part of our three-year Bible reading plan, also known as the five minutes a day reading plan. Yeah. Um, But that's the section that we're going to be talking about Five minutes a day, depending on how fast you read. I think for, right. for someone like Dennis, this is like a two-minute-a-day plan. Two but minutes for, for Dennis. For, for you and me, yeah. this is going to be like a seven or eight-minute thing. 20. Uh, 20, 20. <laughs> um, yeah, and we're getting into Leviticus. This is If people start reading through the Bible from the beginning and going through, Leviticus tends to be where people really drop off because it's a tough, tough uh, book. So welcome, Dennis, into the tough part of discussion. We're glad to have you here. He's not afraid. I don't. He doesn't look just afraid. like when he takes his Jeep Wrangler over the mountains. Yes, with he his, has no fear with his engineering chemicals in the back seat <laughs> and his Bible. I don't know if it works that way. Well, he's but, a superhero in my mind. <laughs> Dennis, uh, if you could just give us like a brief overview of what's going on at the end of Exodus and the beginning of Leviticus. All right, well, let's take a look at that. Uh, The book of Exodus has been just fascinating to look at how the Israelites were able to get away from the Egyptians. But about Exodus 20, things changed. Yeah. And at that point, we're going to see all the way from Exodus 20 all the way through Numbers 10, the book after this, we're moving into the law. Mm -hmm. Now, where we are now It took the Israelites about three months to get to Mount Sinai. 
uh, after they left Egypt. And then it took them a while to get the Ten Commandments and get everything organized per God's instructions to Moses. When we get to 39 and 40, we're getting down to the final details of oh, Exodus. Yeah. Yeah. And there is where God has given instructions on the robes and the various dress of the priests. Yeah, Pastor and, Alex and I, just, our robes just are not standing up to <laughs> biblical standards, they, are they? Yeah, I'm looking for those gold threads. Yeah, no kidding. And then, of course, in chapter 40, we look at the actually putting together the tabernacle, which is yeah. sort of a climax here. And then, of course, as we get into Leviticus, now we get down into the details. If our students thought the small catechism was a challenge, mm. they should be glad they don't have to know the sacrificial system. Oh wow! Which, which really, back in the <laughs> in the in the day, this would have been something that people would have to kind of know right off the kind of almost off the top of their head um, through oral tradition, or or if you were you know wealthy enough or had enough connection to be able to actually have a scroll to look at. Yeah, so that's wow, right. Leviticus yeah. was the first thing young Israelite children had to read and oh, study. Wow, and just imagine that. Yeah, no Dr. Seuss there. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> One cow, two cows. <laughs> anyway, red cow, red yes. cow, red cow, red cow, because they're all being slaughtered. All right, next. <laughs> wow, that's terrible. But anyways, um, so. What kind of going on, uh, what kind of instructions are we getting at the very beginning of Leviticus from chapter 1 through about chapter 7? Well, if we take a look at, at Leviticus, we get into every single detail of the, uh, of the sacrificial system. There's a whole series of them here. And if you look at a basic outline, uh, it's what they would call their divine service, mm -hmm. just as we have a divine service. Very interesting. They get into all the voluntary God-pleasing offerings in the first chapter all the way through three. And then when they get to chapter four, they get into these mandatory offerings for atonement for their sins. And then finally in the chapters six through seven, they get a consumption of all the holy foods. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, yeah. There are laws for even how to eat and what to eat and what That's not right. to eat and things like that. Right. Um, Pastor Alex, I don't know where you're going with this, but I kind of want to just hit those last two chapters of Exodus yeah, real quick definitely. and kind of see what, you know, what, what do we see rounding out the, uh, the end of Exodus. And as I was looking at this, Dennis, um, there was a couple of things that really sort of stuck, stood out to me. You know, we mentioned the priestly garments and things like that. And uh, they were they were very ornate, and all of the stuff for the tabernacle itself was very ornate and precise, and how this is supposed to be put together. And over and over again throughout Exodus, what we kept reading is that God would give these laws, and the Israelites would break the laws, and they would, you know, worship a golden calf and silly things like this. And we saw that they consistently didn't do what God said. But for some reason, I want to ask you about this. With the tabernacle and with the priestly garments and with all of the, that physical stuff and the ornateness of it, it says that they stuck to God's command on that, like they did it the way he said. What do you think was different about this command for how the tabernacle was to be built and how the priestly garments were to be made, that they actually did what God said as opposed to a lot of the other things that God said that they didn't do? Does that make sense? It does. It's a good question. I, I really hadn't thought about that, but it's perhaps it's the idea that they got down to the details of the construction. Mm -hmm. It's actually something uh, the craftsman had to do. 
and the people, the craftsmen doing it, focused on that instead of a generic thing that they all had to live by and behave about. Okay. So maybe there's some distinction between uh, kind of the physical actions that like you, you know, you're good with chemical engineering and I'm not. So if God says, hey, for the for the tabernacle, Dennis is going to make us this chemical concoction or whatever, um, that you'd be able to get all in and, uh, and be about that. But sometimes as we with this physical stuff, this tangible stuff, maybe we're more about it because we can touch it. And the spiritual stuff where God's really testing uh, our heart and our action, our thoughts towards other, we forsake that because it's just something that we don't feel like we can give ourselves as much to. Does that kind of where you're going or, or part of what it you're saying? It is. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, you would have been really torn, I think, Pastor Aaron, because, you know, would you have wanted to be a priest or would you want to be in charge of the construction project? Oh, man, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. After reading some of the laws for the priests, I'm not sure I want to be, I'm not sure I want to be a, a, a priest. But uh, they did get some pretty good meat out of the whole deal, though. That's so, true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, something that you said earlier, Dennis, was that Exodus chapter 40 is really kind of uh, this climax in a way, or at least a really strong ending to the book of Exodus, because they finally, uh, you know, raise up the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is a really, really important thing, especially uh, in the Old Testament, but it also comes into play in the New Testament, this idea of uh, God being present with his people. And this is where he said he was going to be living among them inside the tabernacle. We actually see at the beginning of John, the book of John, chapter 1, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt uh, is literally the word that means tabernacled. So Jesus tabernacled among us, and God is always about uh, being present among his people. So we see this in the Old Testament and definitely in the New, still even today. Right. So what Pastor Alex just did there is he jumped again from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. When he refers to John, that's that's something that happened after Jesus was here and, and that this word that you say dwelt or tabernacled among us, that's referring to Jesus and his fulfillment of this promise. That's always a good thing to do when you're studying the Bible. Um, and I'm sure, Dennis, as you looked at this, you probably saw a number of ways that uh, we, we can see Christ and the promises uh, portrayed in this. Did you, as you kind of dug into this, do you see any of that? I I do. Uh, you know, I think one of the things, when I think back about the early days of me trying to read these books, it was very difficult. And I, I got bogged down in the details. Mm. Uh, that can happen to anyone. So I think what you're saying, Pastor Alex, is critical. That's when it finally started making more sense to me. Uh, perhaps the last time we went through this three or four years ago uh, when we read it all the way through the Bible as a group, and we started getting some of these new, easier translations to understand. Mm. First time I went through this, we're reading King James Version. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's beautiful and poetic, and it just went one in, in one ear and out the other. <laughs> but now with some of these new translations, that's exactly right. It foreshadows Christ, especially later when we get into Leviticus and we get into the atonement portion, mm. Leviticus 16. And there you really see it foreshadowing Christ. And as, as you pointed out, Jesus let us know that, that you know, he was this tabernacle for us. Yeah. But it was really the idea to me that struck me, the presence of God. When he 
physically let him see his presence. Mm-hmm. And and in chapter forty, yeah, you know they couldn't. They had to. They they were installing the 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 priests and all this, but. God's presence was such that even Moses couldn't go near it. Right, right. And they could physically see his presence just as they did on the mountain when they were getting the Ten Commandments. Right. Yeah, and then they wouldn't go anywhere unless yeah. he went first, like he was leading. Um, and that, to me, has, must be saying something practical to us today. You know, they wouldn't go anywhere unless God was leading the way. Unless his presence was taken up, they would follow that. Um Today it's harder for us. We don't see a cloud hanging out over church and then wait for it to go up, you know, or a or a pillar of fire, you know, and we'll just follow that around. But I believe that God still spiritually does lead us and guide us. We just have to, as He tabernacles among us, right. as He dwells among us, be more um, kind of in tune to to where He's guiding us. So, but yeah. I will say yeah. um, that today, and you you see in our church, but also in a lot of different places of worship, um, candles that are mm-hmm. lit. Mm-hmm. Um, some places use incense at times, uh, some places more than others. But the idea behind that is that the fire, the flame, it represents God's presence, and also the smoke, the incense that fills the sanctuary wherever you're at. Um, you can not only see it, the smoke, but you can also smell it too. Um, and so it's kind of incorporating the different senses of uh, indicating, reminding ourselves, hey, God is present in this place. Uh, and so that, I, I believe that's where we get uh, those traditions from, uh, incense and even uh, lighting candles. Do you have anything to add to that, Dennis, the, the, some of those accoutrements that, that we kind of still see there? I, and- I think it is important. I think one of the challenges we have today uh, is this whole concept of Christ dwelling in me and the Holy Spirit dwelling in me and this concept of holiness. Mm. You know, we get all the definitions. Holiness means being set apart. Uh, it means growing up to be like Christ. But I find people really struggling with what that means. Yeah. And reading some of these things, uh, especially chapter 40 and then getting into Leviticus, the whole book of Leviticus is about holiness, right? And it really makes it come alive, right? And that you make a good point. The idea behind holiness is really perfection, and so that's a struggle for us because well, perfection is going to be a struggle for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's these laws that say, here's the things you will and will not do, but when you do, here's the here's the atonement <laughs> that's offered for them. So the the understanding is already are already there that for the priests for everybody that these things are going to be broken and. Um, and and that there's going to be a a plan or something there for us uh, to get us through that. Awesome. Well, what stood out to you? We talked about Exodus a little bit at the end of that. Uh, what stood out to you in the beginning of Leviticus, or any insights uh, that you think of when you think of reading the book of Leviticus? Well, as I said, the first time I ever looked at Leviticus, I, my eyes just crossed with all the intricate <laughs> details on, on the aspects of doing the sacrificial system and whether you could do this or that. And I think it's very good. Obviously, anytime you read Scripture, you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. That's especially true here. Uh-huh. You have to keep going back up and say the whole idea here is to help us understand this concept of God's holiness. And and for me, it was a matter of not only that, but 
who is God and who am I mm-hmm. in respect to that? It can be a very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we as you look through these first seven chapters of Leviticus and you see some of these things that are there, again, you see the uh, vessels of the temple, you see the, the different rituals that are happening, you see, like you said, the incense and the smoke. Um, and of course, we can see that in our churches today, but we also see that in the church that we see later referenced in heaven uh, in the book of Revelation at the end, and we see things like the incense is the prayers of the saints that are going up. And we see you know these lampstands reflected again, and we see over and over again that this, even though it was written uh, over the course of thousands of years by a bunch of different authors, God is the one author through it all that carries a thread from beginning to end, and that it all ties together. And it's so, it's it's absolutely impossible. You're a, you're kind of a math guy, Dennis. You've got some. You can't be a chemical engineer without math, right? And so and so when you when you look at that, like the statistical probability of these books of the Bible all uh, kind of weaving together in that much of a cohesive, it's got to be astronomical. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, anyone who studies especially the creation part of Genesis that we went through and then carries on through it, you begin to see uh, if you love nature, if you get out and walk (laughs) around, you can't help but see God in it. Um, This is no accident. And the more you learn about it, uh, the more you see that uh, God is not only the original creator, but he continues creating today. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and we see this idea uh, in Leviticus that spiritual matters are connected to physical things. Um, And we, you know, still see this in our church today, but I think in a lot of ways uh, we lose or have lost this idea of um, wanting to have the, I guess, the the spiritual actions or even our act of worship mm-hmm. being connected to physical things. So I can understand why people uh, do things like cross themselves or kneel or, uh, and you know, uh, burn incense right. and, and do those kinds of things because that kind of reconnects well, to... Well, even music, the, right? Yeah, even music. Yeah. Uh, it, it connects us to that physicality and it's just something ingrained in creation. And so God it always is about using physical things uh, to connect his holiness to. Um, but we, you mentioned Revelation and really what will happen at the end when Jesus returns is that everything... The, the spiritual reality will also be perfectly seen in the physical reality Man, as well. Awesome. That's yeah. a great point. So we're, we probably ought to be careful about pointing to the end of the book too quick <laughs> and having a spoiler, you know, yeah. but um, Dennis, as you read through this, what were some of those things of real special significance or that really stood out to you? Uh, let's just say, especially focus on Leviticus right now um, that stood out to you as being, these are some really keys we should hone in on. Well, I expected the part, and I recalled the part about the sin offerings, Mm -hmm. and uh, that makes a lot of sense, and it ties right into the kind of atonement we get through Christ. But one of the things that surprised me, and I had actually forgotten about, was the fellowship offering in chapter 3. And I think that's kind of interesting that there was sets of offerings for every kind of activity, and in this month that they were there getting these things in the book of Leviticus, God took them through every aspect of their life from dealing with serious sin to basic things like fellowship Mm -hmm. and how to get along with their fellow people. 
the key was to do everything to God's glory. Yeah. Everything to God's glory. Awesome. I, you know, as you mentioned that in chapter five, it talks about um, some of the guilt offerings that are there. And uh, in verse 17, it says, if anyone sins doing any of the things by the Lord's commandments that he ought not to be done, uh, though he did not know it, and then realize his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity, and he shall bring uh, to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock, yada, yada, yada. So there was a sacrifice for sins that you didn't know you did that later you realized, oh yeah, I guess that was a sin. And so, and it was a, it, there was a, a punishment or a responsibility for that that involved death. Uh, is that you, there's got to be some significance to that? I know it, it was. Uh, it's not only humbling; it's scaring. You really begin to understand <laughs> what they mean by the fear of God. Yeah. And uh, I, I studied a little too far for this because I went on to Leviticus ten. But I, we, we'll talk about that. In your somebody will talk about that in your next session. But yeah, there it was required to cover every letter of the law, and if someone failed. Uh, the nicer consequences were having to do an offering. Yeah. The worst consequences we see later in Leviticus, and we see in Samuel with David moving, uh, mm-hmm. moving the ark inappropriately. So this is a very serious thing, and God is setting up for them right here in the beginning how critical it is to have a relationship with him and follow his law to the letter, which, of course, is impossible. Mm-hmm. We we need this to see why we need Christ because right. we cannot yeah. accomplish this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good point. Um, is there anything that concerns you as you read this uh, section of Scripture or anything that's confusing to you uh, at the end of Exodus or beginning of Leviticus? Well, certainly there's a lot of, of confusing things, and I think that's why it's good for us to be reading this at a relatively slow pace over right. three years because it gives us more time to think about it but but clearly uh, the first thing that used to come into my mind is why all this detail why is it necessary and yet you can see that humans today want to tend to do the same thing a lot of the false religions are made up of so many sets of works and bowing in a certain mm-hmm. direction and praying so many times a day again people like to have things to do but God here is going beyond that. He's talking about working on their heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is easy to read about, but I guess it's hard for me to turn all that into reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I wonder if we uh, see this today, like um, the idea of, you mentioned, doing the physical acts, does that influence the the changing of our hearts uh does the act of going to worship or giving an offering uh even in our life today is is if we just do the action even though our heart may be struggling with that is if we do that over and over again is that what influences our hearts Um, well yeah you know i think that that's interesting When, when my grandmother was still alive um, and she would babysit me and my brothers. She, if we were in some kind of an argument or something, she would always say, you hug each other and, and forgive each other. I was like, I don't want to hug my brother. That's gross. That's, I don't like my brother. You know? And But like she would make us do this, like, this act, this physical act. 
and that would require this uncomfortable closeness maybe that we didn't necessarily want. And I do, I do think that it impacted how my, my brothers and I are very close today. And, um, and I think that, you know, those physical acts, you know, do kind of internalize for us a spiritual reality. Hmm. Yeah. But it can go too far, of course. That I think those are wonderful examples. Uh, the other example, my uh, late grandfather was the one who married my wife and I um, some 50-some years ago. Mm. And he was very fond of repeating the scriptures about, um, you know, never let the sun go down oh, right. on your anger, right, right? and to resolve everything. And in the early days, that one was a really hard thing to understand. But sure. as you're married over time, you begin to understand how you do have disagreements and how that's important. But it, we, we can fail to recognize, I, you know, I think of Luther when you mentioned this. You know, Luther mm. worked so hard, and others worked so hard to try and get right with God. And that's why I just give thanks that, that God has given us the way to— come to Christ on the cross and and just really appreciate the value of that. When you read something like the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you, you really do get the fear of God and you're humbled and you, you really feel unworthy. And I see how we all can feel that way. And so we grasp at, at anything that will let us do some works. Yeah. Mm. And I remember Jesus, even when he fed the 5,000, they said, wow, this would be great. We would never need food or never need water. <laughs> what works must we do to yeah. have this? And he says, the works you must do are believe in God and mm-hmm. that I am his son. And, and that is hard to do. It's very, yeah. very hard. That's a great point you make. Yeah, and ultimately, it's a good reminder that, you know, throughout Leviticus, the Exodus story too, God cares. And even today, Mm -hmm. God cares about our hearts. He wants our hearts uh, for him and he has a heart for us. So uh, speaking of that, what gives you great hope in reading this um, part of scripture? Well, I I think it's important to try and get hope and, and application out of all these things. Uh, there are times when you get bogged down in these sacrificial things. You say, where's the hope out of this? Well, uh, to me, <laughs> I, I think it is, again, that I have to dig in and then fly up high and look mm-hmm. at what's going on. And God is giving us the law to show us that we can't accomplish it. Right? Uh, it's impossible to accomplish it. But we need the law and Jesus said, I came to fulfill that law, yep. not to abolish it. Right. So. Too many times a day, and some preachers even say, well, let's not talk about the Old Testament. Let's just focus on the New Testament. No, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. The law is important, and we need to understand it. And that gives me hope when Jesus says, I came to fulfill that law. And and that's what gives me the most hope is Jesus with that answer. Well, and even thinking about when Jesus said that, I came to fulfill the law, not abolish it, um, but that he did fulfill the law. You can't really appreciate what Jesus is saying and also claiming Mm -hmm. unless you know what's all going on in Exodus and Leviticus and all of these things, uh, these sacrificial systems that God is putting in place. Uh, When you 
keep that in mind and hear what Jesus is saying. Oh, I fulfilled the law. That is a huge claim. And so it makes sense why people were uh, saying, hold on a second, dude. Like, I know. Um, you're saying you fulfilled all of that perfectly? <laughs> a and, whole life uh, with no bacon? And yeah. It's just like, yeah, for me. Yeah. If Jesus went without bacon, then I can too, right? Oh, so man. I, oh, maybe I have the power of Christ living inside of me. You do, you do. But yeah. um, another thing to keep in mind is that when you read the book of Exodus or Leviticus or even the entire anything in the Old Testament— um, we can be quick to dismiss it, especially in our, our mm-hmm. society today and, and even the culture that is kind of seeped into our, um, into our churches uh, sometimes. Is we, we can sometimes dismiss the Old Testament. Um, but a good thing to keep in mind is that the history of the Israelites now through Christ is our history. And this is where we've come from. We are a part of God's family because of Jesus. And this is now our history because of him. So when we're reading Exodus and Leviticus, we're reading our own history, the history of God's people. And we're a part of that. Yeah, I think that's so important that, uh, you know, a lot of us, we have a neighborhood Bible study where we purposely alternate between the New and the Old Testament in our studies. And so many times you'll hear a little bit of a groan coming out when it's time to rotate back. Mm -hmm. And then we get into one of these. We're doing Jeremiah right now. And people are just sitting there and they're saying, wow, this is like reading tonight's newspaper. Yeah, no kidding. We're going to do Jeremiah. Bring the Zoloft, right? (laughs) And and you're so right. We need to do that so that we understand the New Testament. What do they say? The, The... I always get this backwards. The New Testament is is hidden in the Old Testament, mm, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. Old Testament no, the New Testament. I, I give up. But yeah, anyway, one's yeah. revealed in the other, and one's hidden in the yeah, other. Right, right. Direction exactly. it is. And and it's so true. And that's that's what helps me when I study the Old Testament. I I swear, the older I get, the more I get out of it. Just tying it in with our studies in mm-hmm. the New Testament. Well, one of the things that we'll continue to talk through uh, through the book of Leviticus is the precision uh, and the exactness of a lot of these things and everything that is covered and the consecration and setting ourselves apart. Um, as you think about that idea of setting ourselves apart, how does that apply in our lives today, in your mind, the idea of consecrating ourselves, setting ourselves apart, or or being, uh, you know, even observing some of the precise rituals, et cetera? Well, I think it's all part of this this process of sanctification, which we read a lot about. In so, for those Paul's of words. us who are not familiar with big church words, yeah. what does sanctification mean? Well, and, and and that's my point. I mean, I you know, I I grew up hearing words like justification and sanctification, and it took a long time uh, for it to sink in. But justification, we know, is an instantaneous process that the Holy Spirit allows us to believe in Jesus mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. gives us the faith to believe. But then. The part that we have the challenge with is it's so easy to say, okay, I'm now a member of the church. I got my ticket punched, and I'm ready to go. But Jesus tells us, and certainly Paul tells us, we need to spend the rest of our lives now trying to be more like Jesus, to set ourselves apart in a way of serving others and serving God. That's what the Ten Commandments is all about, right? The first right. three on serving God and the rest our fellow man. And it's a process of spending our entire lives trying to get closer to Christ's behavior, the things that we read in the New Testament. Right, right. 
Awesome. I think that's a great spot to stop for a short break. All right. And we will come back with some more insights. Some more hard-hitting punches. Holy cow, I thought we were done. Welcome back. We've been talking about the last two chapters of Exodus and the beginning chapters of Leviticus with Dennis Parker. Um, we just talked a little bit about um, the this idea that we, we um, are justified, we are declared right before God because of Jesus through his Holy Spirit, and how we... Uh, strive to live our lives and be like Jesus to follow him and how that's a struggle because we still struggle with sin even though he calls us saints. So we've just talked about that. Um, Let's talk about uh, anything that we looked into a little bit uh, more deeply. Um, Did you do some deep digging into uh, particular terms or concepts, Dennis? And if so, what did you find? You know, I normally do. I, I did not on this one <laughs> because there was just so much material here. I, I did find trying to dig into some of the uh, uh, the information about the tabernacle, I did see how closely, and we've touched on this already, how closely it fit in with what was going to become the temple and how important that was. And how I, I certainly recall and and. And reading when they they built the temple, temple God's presence came down right. on that as well um, in Solomon's day, and and so you know that fits. But I think what's really important there is again to, that concept of bringing it forward. How how does that fit with Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling us? Right. I've been communicating with our Colorado pastor, and he's been struggling with some people who are really hard pressed with that you know there's one there's one uh, concept of that where the people are screaming and shouting mm-hmm. and all this kind of thing and uh, that there's a good presence of that in our community out there and and yet there's others who want to go completely the other way and show right. no emotion whatsoever and and he's struggling to help them understand what this means in that process of living your life. So what, hmm. what the Holy Spirit living in us looks like and, and struggling with the fact, you know, we're all, we are all made differently. We all, like we said, we have different spiritual gifts. Some of us are chem- chemical engineers and others aren't. And we've got, um, and God works through us in different ways. And probably the way that that's manifested in his church and in our spiritual lives is going to look different as well from person to person. I have a question I wanted to ask you, see if you had any insight on this, because this one uh, kind of, I, I didn't get it. I, I too didn't look any deeper into this, but in um, chapter 2 of Leviticus, uh, verse 13, it says, You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall let the salt of the covenant with your God, or you shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. You, any, I, I was completely, this is the first time I guess I had ever understood or heard of this salt of the covenant. What's that about? Any thoughts? You know, I had the same reaction, and uh, one of the sources I love to use is this little People's Bible commentary that we get from CPH, 
And, and they did help on that one. It said to add salt to an offering was thus a reminder to the worshiper that he was in a state of preservation, mm. an eternal relationship with God. God would never forsake him, and the worshiper had the constant duty to abide by the will of God. So it, it was like oh. a, another thing I read was when we are not holy, we're like the salt that lost its savor. So we've hmm. all heard that expression and know it, and and so I think that's what the seasoning. Well, that's means. that's interesting. So because it refers there to preservation. In our day, we don't think of much of salt as preservation as we do of it <laughs> as flavor. And so salt and salt of the covenant. So then there'd be a preservation of the covenant. So that the covenant goes on, even though we've broken it. God preserves us. Great, I I appreciate that. Yeah, he ties it into Matthew five, where Jesus said, "Believers are to be the salt of the earth," mm-hmm. and, and there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. And uh, something that Dennis just demonstrated uh, for us was that he went to a commentary, um, and that's just a book that kind of helps give some explanation um, and insight to some of these passages that we're reading. So if you're wondering how we find out about some of the things that we're talking about, um, as pastors, you don't just get zapped with this... (laughs) This great what? knowledge. What? That didn't happen to you? No, it did not happen oh, to me man. at my graduation ceremony. In fact, I felt like uh, I was not qualified at that <laughs> point, and I said, That's good. oh my goodness, what am I doing? Right. What am I getting myself into? God help me, God help me. Anyways, um, and that still goes on in my mind sometimes. Absolutely. However, um, basically what we're doing is um, we're looking these things up, either in a commentary or a lot of times what I use is I just look at the study notes mm-hmm. for from a, a self-study Bible, the Lutheran right. study Bible or something like that. Um, sometimes I Google it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some things careful. that, yeah, you, yeah, you got to be careful, but there are some things that you can just kind of Google and, and look up to or, or some website that can can help you uh, get some insights and and whatnot. But a lot of times I'm using uh, like a a study Bible. Right. And so I I will, I'm going to give one bit of like maybe encouragement too, because one thing we can do by having all a lot of these different tools is we can go to those first and kind of let our, and I do believe like Dennis was talking about a little while ago, that the Holy Spirit's still living and Mm -hmm. active and working in us that as we read through these Mm -hmm. things that, um, that, we are not devoid of the Holy Spirit, and He can work in those. And sometimes, whatever point you're at in life, you're going to read something in here that really just jumps out and goes, "Oh man, this is this is what God is saying and doing here." And even in a book of Leviticus, where we're talking about, "Well, you shall reserve the fat portions for this offering, and the rest of the bull shall be taken outside of the camp." All of a sudden, that's going to mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I encourage you first read through it on your own, right, and and look at it, and then you know bring in some of those other resources. Yeah, I think that's a good. Uh, encouragement. Um, let yourself have the questions, mm-hmm. and then after you've read it, thought about it, reflected, uh, whatever that might be, uh, then maybe go and look into that a little bit more. But definitely uh, let yourself read it and experience it on its own. I think that's a really important thing uh, to do sometimes. So, um, well, did we want to talk about how this is important? to our Christian lives today. We've kind of uh, jumped into some application that tends to happen uh, naturally when we read God's Word, um, but anything else that you want to talk about, Dennis, uh, that we should know, uh, reading these this Scripture is still important for us today. Well, I find that 
very important to do. I, I, I love to try and understand the Scripture and history and then how it ties into the New Testament. But finally, at the end of the day, and this is where I find it helps, the, the prayers and getting the Holy Spirit's help, sometimes nothing comes. And then you go to sleep, and the next day you open it again and suddenly say, oh, I see an application. Uh, yeah. And that's where I think the Holy Spirit's working, or or it may lead me to something. But but I think that's what I see in applying today is in my walk with Christ, my trying to understand how the Holy Spirit indwells me, I can see how the presence of God in these Old Testament books, which was a physical, visible thing, how it it helps me today in my walk to understand things so that I can read these scriptures and suddenly I'll get some insight in how to live closer to God. Yeah, awesome. Uh, what about you, uh, Aaron? You know, I you was think? looking at chapter 6, Leviticus, uh, where it talks about someone sinning by breaching the faith or lying uh, or robbery or theft, and that the that the, the responsibility for someone who was caught in that or realized that was that they had to pay back whatever they stole plus one-fifth, so plus 20%, and then go sacrifice like a perfect ram. Like, it's a pretty harsh penalty, but I, just, I began to think, like, if I was doing this, you know, I, I might be, like, looking for ways to get defrauded, so that's a pretty good return of investment on things, <laughs> you know, 20% on top of what you stole. I'm just kidding, but um, but the, the, the punishments were really, really harsh, um, and it was for the purpose of realizing our sin, even the ones we would call small, our sin um, is harsh, and it has a separation from God, and that's a, that's a huge thing. You know, when, I, when I read that, uh, the thing that really stands out to me, this is chapter 6, and, and I'm reading from the NIV version. If anyone sins and is unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving his neighbor, you know, sometimes, especially when you're young, you don't understand how doing this little white sin yeah. is going to hurt anybody, let alone be considered just unfaithful to God. Oh, yeah. And this is one of the things they're trying to teach us that's right. relevant to do. Very good point. Yeah, and and kind of going along with, with that concept, Dennis, is uh, when you're reading these uh, laws and um, instructions in Leviticus, something to keep in mind is, as you're reading is to ask yourself, okay, what kind of situation or person is this law trying to guard against? Or what is the principle behind the law? Or what kind of person would be restricted by this law? Somebody trying to do evil or maliciously uh, deceive their neighbor? Or what kind of person would be uh, upheld by this oh, law, right. somebody right. somebody who right. is a good neighbor. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. think about the principle behind these laws. And I think if you do that, that will help you see how, you know, Jesus's summary of the law, love God and love your neighbor, you um, is a good summary for even Leviticus yep. and uh, how he perfectly fulfilled that. We're still called to struggle along uh, living uh, that that life. So even though love God day. and love your neighbor is a good summary for Leviticus, go ahead and listen to the rest of the podcast oh, yeah, on Leviticus, yeah. you know, for the next four weeks. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
Anyway, are we ready for random question we time? We are ready for random questions. All right, question. Dennis, so every week there is a random question which is not prepared for in any way, and nobody knows it except for yours truly. I pull if you can right see the, the reaction on Dennis's face yeah, right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that facial expression. I take my glasses off. Yeah, that's right. So here, this is good for a <laughs> chemical engineer. This will be perfect. So a lot of times when you watch um, some of these, like, uh, comic superhero movies and stuff there's you know some kind of a chemical thing that causes them to become this superhero or this super villain or whatever so i'm going to ask you this what superhero of all the superheroes available or super villains available um would you most like to be if you could be one and why well there's no doubt it would be superman Okay. And and it's because of his, I mean, his ability to <laughs> leap tall buildings. Ah, ah, so so the x-ray vision has nothing to do no, with no, it. Okay. No. Right. Uh, there's, there's a Levitical law about there that, too. There is a Levitical yeah. law. Even Superman <laughs> is I, not I'm just glancing at that and changed my decision. All right. Well, how about you, Pastor Alex? Ooh, I think I would have to go with my childhood favorite, which is Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I, I think it'd just be awesome to have that ability. To cast the He was my yeah. cousin, Peter Parker. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, superhero, supervillain. Aquaman, oh, yeah. why? He talks to animals. Oh, yeah. oh, perfect. Awesome. And let's see. I guess I need to answer this now, and I hadn't thought about it. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, the Riddler. I don't know if he's a super wow. villain. Yeah, but he the, is a yeah. villain. I don't know if he's super. Yeah. I just like the whole kind of question mark theme and the whole, like, uh, you know, being very vague and clever. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. And All we should right. probably wrap it up there because we're going nowhere. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know about nowhere, Yeah, but we're going somewhere. And if you want us to hit on a particular topic or point, um, then email your question, your uh, idea, your feedback to grow up and talk podcast at gmail.com. And we will uh, try to um, take some time and, and answer those uh, questions or comments uh, in our future podcast. But for now, thanks for listening. Thank you, Dennis, for being with us. Thank you. And appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next time. See you soon. Bye. Bye now.